The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you all back, but I'm even more excited to have on our guest today. He is the National Council Chair uh, for Multifamily for SVN International, Mr. Reed Bennett. Reed, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing well, Cody. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. I know you got a lot going on, so we very much appreciate the time, and I know we're going to get a lot of good uh, stuff from you today for our audience. But before we jump into that, would love to know your origin story little bit more about where you're from, how you got into real estate, and really what you're doing these days. Sure. I oh, appreciate that. Uh, well, I, I, I grew up in uh, northwest, uh, northwest suburbs of Chicago, uh, ended up going to University of Iowa, came back to, to move to Chicago. I, I had a, actually a personal training business in a building called the LaSalle Wacker Building downtown in the Loop. The vast majority of my clients were either attorneys or real estate brokers. And so I, I would spend the hour that I had with them just grilling them all on questions about real estate and why, how are you going to, because I was fascinated with it. I read, you know, like so many people, I read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad in, I think, 1999. And it fascinated me. And I did not spend any of my time in college really focused on real estate until I got out. And I said, this is, I think this is the path. That I should be taking. And so one of my clients said, uh, that was a broker, said, you know, the best way to, to really understand the multifamily business is you get into the brokerage business because you see so many different execution strategies. You see, um, you know, groups that want to buy small apartment buildings, large apartment buildings, suburbs, city, affordable market rate. Um, so I said, all right, you know, and I got my license in, a, in about a week. I did an accelerated program, uh, started in 2001, just kind of going up and down the streets of Chicago. I, I, I took a couple zip codes, started tracking at that time, you know, the digital cameras held about a hundred pictures, right? So, uh, I would take a hundred pictures on a Saturday. I'd come back, uh, you know, to the office and catalog them all. And then, you know, I was way ahead of, uh, you know, the technology uh, advances they're doing that. Now it's just, it's so obscure and I can get it from three different systems that I that I pay for now. But uh, so I just got in, involved in that. Uh, majority of what I did early on was selling to condo converters uh, in Chicago because that was the only game. So from 2002 to 2007, I literally thought every single apartment building was going to be converted to condo. Uh, it was that bad. So you know, so that actually stopped. The music stopped with the condo conversions and then it came back to understanding income. and I didn't even know how to underwrite income and expenses for the first five years of my career because it was all space and what you could sell a condo for. Um, so then I uh, realized I needed to really understand more of the underwriting. So I got involved with CCIM. I went and got my CCIM designation. Um, and that really, for those of you out there that maybe didn't have the, the the finance background in college. CCIM is so real estate focused. The four classes that you take and then the book that you have to put together, it's it's, it's fantastic. I would suggest anybody out there uh, that, that needs an extra boost do that. So once I had that, then I started looking at apartment complexes in the suburban markets. 
Uh, from there, we started, you know, falling into a niche of affordable and, um, you know, just selling across the Midwest. I took over the National Council Chair position about seven years ago for SVN. And what that's allowed me to do is work uh, with a lot of my colleagues. We have about 225 offices around the country. And many of my colleagues are sitting in secondary and tertiary markets where they're jack of all trades. Um, so they might not necessarily have, you know, feel comfortable underwriting the 150 unit deal, you know, that they, they know the guy, they, they go to church with the, the, the owner of that deal or their kids go to school with the owner of that property. So then they bring me and my team in and we, you know, help them underwrite it and uh, market it nationally. So that's maybe more than you want to hear, but that's, that's, that's where I am at this point uh, in my career today. Awesome. No, I, I love it. And, and I say it a bunch and I truly mean it, which is that I love that everyone comes into real estate at, at different points in their life, different points in their career and brings a, a lot of different backgrounds. So we always love and appreciate a good origin story. Uh, and for those born like not long ago, yes, you're, we used to have a camera and a phone as two different devices. It's, it wasn't always just one device. No, Reed, I appreciate it. But, you know, I think we, we came on today or brought you on today to talk a little differently probably than you, you've done in a lot of the previous appearances you've made on other shows, which is talking about challenges or failures in your career or that you've either experienced or seen that will help our audience today. So I want to open up Pandora's box and, and see what pops out to you in your career uh, from mistakes or challenges. Well, from the, from the brokerage standpoint, um, you know, w- one of the biggest challenges that, uh, that I went through was the crash of 08. And, I'll, you know, I'll never forget, I had a number of deals under contract in uh, 2007. And I, when we were coming on board with SBN, uh, it was the first time I'd gone to a national conference. It was in January out in Huntington Beach, California. And I remember the economist that was speaking was saying, for all of you out there that have deals under contract that still have a mortgage contingency, they're not going through. And I I remember looking at my partner at the time saying, you know, come on, you know, I think we had like 40 million in multifamily under contract. And I I mean, I I had banked on it, Uh, got back from that conference and over the next two months, for one reason or another, every single one of our deals fell out. And so what that taught me was, you know, th- in this business, it's, it's, uh, there's a cycle of, of trying to find the deal, try, you know, putting it together, uh, closing the transaction. And sometimes you kind of sit back and rest on your laurels and, you, you know, you think you have a good pipeline and maybe you kind of slow down and take your foot off the gas. Anybody that's doing this, whether you're in the brokerage business or if you're investing in real estate, the... The fact that we get shut shut down and said no to 95% of the time, it's very difficult to understand that. Um, if you're a buyer trying to reach out to a bunch of owners or trying to submit offers, 90% of the time, you're not you're, you're going to fail in that deal. And the one thing in this business to keep going is you have to understand that that 10% is enough you know, to create the income and the wealth that you want in this business. Yeah, I, I think to your point, Reed, it, it really is a numbers game. And before real estate, my, my career was in B2B sales. So a lot of the formal training that I got was this is a failure game. 
like you're, you're going to fail significantly more than you will ever win. But the wins are, to your point, are good enough that you can make a living. And, and especially in real estate, a lot of times create some really good wealth for yourself uh, and your family and, and generationally oftentimes that uh, the, the benefit is worth going through the process. But, but to your point, you, you, you got to have, as we used to call it in B2B sales, you got to have the funnel, right? Deals fall out of your funnel at any stage or can fall out of your funnel at any stage for any reason. So you got to keep the deal flow coming. Folks that are maybe brokers and, and buyers on, on listening here at home, you know, we see probably right now a little bit differently than we saw in 08, whereas 08, it was hard to get money in financing, where it's now it's a little bit easier to get money in financing, but it's hard to get deals. You know, from your from your seat on the broker side, what what are some things that you're seeing that, that are working for those, whether you're a broker looking to find a deal to sell, or if you're a buyer looking to to find a deal that pencils out, what are what are some of the things that you're seeing that are, are working these days for those that are listening? Great question. Um, I mean, first of all, you know, being in the business for 20 years, I think no matter what the market is, you can always find a deal and you might always be able to find the, you know, the deal of a lifetime each year. And it just depends on how you, how you go about finding it. If you're getting involved in, uh, you know, bidding wars where there are 45 offers on a, on a property and people are bidding, bidding down to a a 2.75 cap, you're probably, you don't have a high success, but if you have enough irons in the fire and, 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 and if you're known, especially in the brokerage business, um, what, what I've learned is, you know, they have to know you before you're calling them. And, you know, a good way to do that is to have some kind of a presence, you know, like you do on, on LinkedIn, um, you know, and various other forms, That's whether it's social media, whether it's just, uh, you know, letter campaigns, whether it's, you know, putting articles and edit. But the thing that I've understood uh, over the last couple of years really is, you need to add value. You need to add value to your client base. You need to add value to the owners that you're trying to get the listing for, the buyers that, or the, the owners of the buildings you want to buy. You have to give them some kind of value um, in order to really have a relationship and um, be successful in this business. Yeah, I, I think to your point, the, the relationship is key. And that's what it ultimately comes down to is, you know, marketing and all that helps and that gets your name out there, but it really comes down to the relationship that you establish between the two parties, right? Whether you're a broker and, and you're a seller or, or you're a buyer and the broker, you have to have that trusted relationship and, and know what's going on uh, for that really to work. Because without, without that trust there, everything can fall apart very quickly. So, uh, listen, I, I always like to ask if we ever have a broker on, I, I'm, I'm remiss if I don't ask, you know, it, from the buyer side, I think a lot of times we look at and say, well, when we're building that relationship, how much communication is too much communication? So with the idea that we want to bring value and it, it's hard to bring value by, by constantly communicating, but we want to stay top of mind. In your opinion, I know everyone's maybe a little bit different, but in your opinion, what is the right amount of communication or, or staying in touch with a broker uh, to make sure that we are staying top of mind in case that that deal of a lifetime does come up so that we're on that that short list of, of people they're sending the offer to? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And um, more and more, especially in this market, uh, I think buyers have to understand that brokers hold the key to a lot of relationships. And it's, all, it's what we do all day long. We're talking, you know, you, you can't, as a buyer, you can't talk to as many owners as we're talking to each day. And I would say, you, you know, you need to, you need to make the most relationships you can with brokers in the specific markets that you're working because they all have the information that you don't, they have the systems that you don't. Um, but I would suggest for owners of multifamily opportunities to uh, create their own database, just like us brokers create. And that would be to track the brokers and not only the deals and, and uh, you know, the owners of those deals, but to track the brokers and to consistently, you know, be updating them, whether it's on your mailing list saying, hey, here's the new deal that we just put under contract or here's the new deal that we just purchased. It reminds them, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I sell. And I've sell, sell those exact kind of deals. And I would say, you know, you should be reaching out with the, you know, the top five brokers in the areas you're looking once a month minimum. Um, maybe the ones that are in secondary or tertiary markets that you're not really looking, but you would consider, you know, once a quarter, but just to let them know, Hey, here's what we're doing. Um, you know, he, this is what we're looking for. Here's our updated acquisition criteria. Cause that often changes and brokers don't know that if you haven't talked to them in a year, maybe you're now, you know, you were buying up to 50 units and now you're buying only 125 units plus or something like that. So to constantly call the brokers in those markets and tell them, here's where I am, it might just trigger because sometimes there'll be a, a group that, that reaches out and says, um, you know, here's what I'm looking for. We go back and forth with a few deals, falls off for a while. And then, you know, maybe a year later, I see they close a deal. I was like, shoot, I would, you know, I didn't know that you guys were buying this kind of deal. I just, you know, put one under contract. I would have brought it to you. So those kind of things, I would say once a month, reach out for something and keep us on your mailing list. Got it. No, I love that. And I think that's key because to, to what you're saying, that the communication is so important in that relationship and making sure that everyone's on the same page there. So uh, Reed, I think that's as good enough spot as ever to, to really wrap it up. I, I very much appreciate you coming on board. Uh, helping us out, understanding from some of the the mishaps that you've seen, but also helping us understand about those relationship and communication keys that we see. For those that maybe want to work with you or some of the folks that you know at SVN or, or, or what it may have, what's the best place for people to get in touch and find information about yourself? Uh, well, you can either find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. You can also, I'll give you my cell number if you want to have the people on here have that. My cell is 773 773- Two five one seven three four two, and my email is reed.bennett at svn.com. It's R E I D period B E N N E T T at svn sandvictornancy.com. Perfect. And for everyone listening at home, we will drop those in the show notes so you can easily find it and get in touch with Reed. Uh, Reed, again, thank you so much for joining us today. I truly appreciate it, sir. Absolutely, Cody. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And for all listening at home, we appreciate y'all and have a great day. 
You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.